0: Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly.
1: Adrian goes under center this time. Mills, the deep back. Turn and toss it to Mills off the
0: left side. He's to the 10. Step arms a man. Five. Dives. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska. Diedrich Mills finds the end zone from 14 yards out. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts. Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
1: It's a hump day on our way to a holiday weekend. Hard to believe Memorial Day is already here. It seems early because it's early. It's not the lat right the end of May, but has to be the last Monday of May, and the next Monday is June 1st. So it's this weekend. If you didn't know, how, how about that little three-day weekend coming up for everybody? We serve. Sure, appreciate you being a part of the program here tonight. Going to have another edition of our Husker Huddle with Jeremiah Searles in a couple of minutes. You can talk to Brandon Riley, who announced last week that he was retiring from professional football after making a couple of runs in NFL camps, playing in the uh, some of the offshoot leagues of the last couple of years and doing some pretty good things, really, in both. And, in fact, I was shocked when he didn't make the Bills camp a team a couple of years ago. He had a really good preseason, caught some – had a bunch of catches in preseason. I think had a touchdown catch for the Bills in preseason. They seemed to like him, but just did not make it. And evidently, he's like, that's enough. We need to move on with life. So looking forward to that conversation with Jeremiah and Brandon Riley coming up here in a couple of minutes. Two big stories on the day. And Josh touched on one of them, Ben, in the in the ticker. And we previewed this last night on the show that the NCAA Council was voting today today. It's a 40-member council. It's weighted by conferences. uh, And a couple of measures were up for vote today. And one, it was expected that the moratorium on halting college athletics, workouts, practices, get-togethers is now going to be lifted June the 1st. This goes back to March 12th is when this council said, stop, just stop. And that's when everything came to a halt. All the spring sports, the NCAA tournament, all that came to a halt in March. They came out in April with an update that coaches could expand their communication with their players. They could do more Zoom meetings, more hours a week or whatever to do Zoom conversations with their players, which the coaches appreciated because then they had more time to at least do some film studies, Zoom studies with their players. But here we go, June the 1st. And the Big Ten has kind of been pointing at this. We remember the comments from the Iowa president a few weeks ago where he kind of said, well, yeah, we're we're going back to work (laughs) June the 1st. Um, the SEC will have a vote on Friday. The MAC will have a vote on Friday. The Big Twelve met; their presidents met earlier this week. They did not vote. The Big 10's president chancellor's meeting is not till June, but the, I, I think you'll see a I think you'll see a release from the conference in, any day, maybe tomorrow, that they're going to let school start working with the athletes in the sports of football, men's and women's basketball on June the first. It still may be limited how many guys you can have. At a time, it's still maybe a 10, 12-person limit, whatever the states uh, have in is for a meeting. But this is big. This is you can get guys back into the weight rooms. You can get guys back on the practice field for some seven-on-seven drills. This is a sign. This is a big sign that we're going to be open for business for college athletics come the fall. And you know, every football coach in America delighted to hear that ruling today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the. I I remember all the way back in March, right, when we're. It seemed like this was going to come in phases, and the first phase, as you said, I think our first show after this was March thirteenth, and we're we're still in that confusion phase, and I think we said then that the next phase to come was going to be, the the try and wrap your head around, the the wrap around what's happening phase and then all the questions that was the next phase is how serious is this you know the the wondering phase all of that and then this was kind of the last phase is um, you know you start to start to tie up some loose ends you start asking the questions but not just asking the questions come up with solutions to the questions and 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 target dates and all of that stuff that we weren't sure what the timeline was it going to? What, what was going to be? Was it going to be two weeks? Was it going to be a month? Was it going to be six months? Was it going to be a year? Uh, I think now you know we're we're starting to answer those questions, or at least come up with answers to those questions, and uh, ask the right questions to make sure we can go forward with this in a safe way. And I think that this is a huge positive for uh, college athletics, and you know I know that. It's pretty obvious the struggle now, Greg, is going to be uh, what constitutes safety practices within the guidelines of the NCAA and what constitutes safe practices amongst your state regulations. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the hard thing now, but the fact that the NCAA is already mobilizing um their schools and we've got schools announced that they're going to be in session in the fall these are all the necessary first steps to get that stone on top of the hill just rolling right now for so long we were just pushing on that thing trying to get it to budge and i think we're finally starting to see that boulder budge a little bit and i think as soon as it starts rolling it's going to start rolling downhill fast and and all these answers questions are going to have answers they're going to be protocols in place and we're going to get used to this new norm. One thing we do know is whenever college football or fall sports are back, it's not going to be the same as the fall sports that we had last year. There are still going to be a lot of restrictions and a lot of differences. But the fact is that uh, it's looking more and more every day like they're going to happen. And that's a, that's a huge positive for all of us. And I think that's, you know, just to, to, to put the protocols in place to start answering the questions that we've, we've ha- been having for so long and to finally have some people step up against this thing uh, and speak out against it and, and recommend that we have it and be in favor of having stuff back, unlike Mike Gundy a couple of months ago who suggested we would have it back, and him getting blasted for yeah. it. Drilled. I, th- I, I think it's starting to become an okay uh, point and perspective to have that college football will be back. And I think that in itself, the uh, – the lack of, of public pushback, I suppose, people are more open to it is, is a big thing, too, because as we know, public perception means a lot. And if we kept doing this and people kept pushing it, pushing back and pushing back and pushing back like, like Coach Gundy got, I don't know that this is moving forward, but it is, and it, like I said, it's some big first steps are being taken, and the next step is to get these kids on campus, follow the rules, and start getting them in shape. Yeah, Gundy was just thirty days ahead. He was too quick. He, he
1: was too far. He was too aggressive with the throwing a date out there. I, I think he he could have stopped short of throwing a date out and said, "We need to get our guys back together," and, and that would have been legit. I guarantee you, Ben Zach Duval is making up charts. He's putting groups together, groups of ten that can work out together in the weight room. They're going to be around the clock. They're mean they're twelve hour, twelve fourteen hours a day with those groups of ten coming in and getting their workouts in during a day, and then going out and doing some seven on seven drills uh, outside all the can have 14 they only have 10 but you can certainly work with your position groups uh, out on the practice fields I guarantee the coaches are starting to really hum and put all this together the second big big headline of the day Revolves around Ohio State's athletic director, Gene Smith. He had a press conference today, and here we go. Here starts to give you a look at the template, which is what we're going to see around college football all fall. He said, we are putting into place a plan to allow anywhere between 20 and 40,000 Buckeye fans inside Ohio Ohio Stadium for games this year. This fall, depending on what restrictions we have from the state about how much social distancing we can do with a group. But we're working on models. We're working with our ticket office to figure out how we're going to do this. And as we've heard from Bill Moose in the past, these ADs have been are talking on a daily basis. So, you know, this is our first peek behind the curtain of what those ADs have been talking about, about how they're going to do this. I think and I my gut has told me this all along. We're going to have fans in the stands. We're not going to have full stands. but We're going to have fans in the stands, how they're going to do it. They're all trying to figure that out right now. But Gene Smith pulled that curtain back for us today.
2: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too surprised either. I had this conversation a couple of days ago with, with a friend who was a season ticket holder, and, um, you know, that he was kind of asking me about what he he thought, what what my thoughts were about Memorial Stadium. I said, look, I, I'm going to be surprised, and, and and I was speaking in relative terms, not just to Nebraska, but I don't think we're going to have empty stadiums. I, I don't. These stadiums are most of these stadiums are big enough to where you can stay safe distances away. You can put. Uh, protocols and the concession stands and you know you can you know rope off concourses you can you can do things that uh, not entirely dissimilar to like if you were to walk into a local establishment you know anymore how they got you can only walk a certain way you can grocery stores you can walk up and down aisles you you know there are certain practices that that universities and stadiums can put in place to keep people safe and and still have people in there and as you said, there's no way that they're going to be full, but I would be shocked if the stadiums are completely empty. Greg, we're still the, – the great thing about it is we're having this conversation in May still. I mean, there, there is still a long way to go to get these answers uh, put forth and, and in place. And, you know, you give people of power who are dedicated to a cause this much time to come up with solutions, they're going to do it. I mean, I think we've already seen great strides, and as you said – we're finally starting to get public comments on this stuff. We've already come a decent ways in a short amount of time. Uh, you know, I think the first step going to be how do we get these teams to campus? How, how do we let them practice? And all the while, start in preparations for the fall, travel, schedule, stadiums, um, fans, officials, radio crews. All that stuff. How, how do we allow for this stuff to take place and, and to keep going while still being safe? And the fact that we are still here in, in May, May 20th, um, I think that's a great sign that, you know, all these answers questions are going to have answers by the time the fall rolls around. If we're already to the point that you're allowing 50 percent capacity
1: in a restaurant, then why can't you have close to 50 percent capacity in a big venue like that? Now you may have to wear a mask. That may be one of the requirements. I don't, I'm, I'm just speculating. you may have to wear a mask if you go to a game. and I think people would do that if that means that they get in. You may have to go every other row and that's what the ticket office is going to have to figure out. All right, for the odd games, the odd rows get to come in and here here's your tickets, you get the odd games. That's all you get to go to this year. and for the even if you sit in an even row, you get the even games. So some groups are going to get five games. Some groups are going to get four. You may have to wear a mask. All those things still have to be worked out. But I guarantee you that's what they're talking about. And, again, we heard that from Gene Smith today. Um, and like you said, this is May twenty. 20- 20th right now we still have a long ways to go to september the 5th and we're already look at the look at the about face and we mentioned this the other night on the program the about face of the state of california in the last two weeks they went from we're not going to have any major events for months and to to the yesterday going at pro sports can come back in the first week of june no fans but they can come back and play whoa that was a quick turnaround in two and a half weeks who knows in another month what this happens but both of these things today opening up Campuses for student-athletes to get back together to congregate on June the 1st. And Gene Smith saying, we already have mock-ups of how we can put between twenty and 40,000 fans in Ohio Stadium. And for your, everybody's context, that stadium's bigger than Memorial Stadium. Mm-hmm. It seats about 105, so it's got about 15,000 more seats than Memorial Stadium does. So Nebraska might be a little bit lower than the numbers Gene Smith throughout the today. But it does give you a hint and a peek at what these guys have been talking about on their daily calls.
2: Yeah, and it also wouldn't shock me too, Greg. If uh, you know, and 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 they may not be able to do this. Throw a huge blanket over it, but the NCAA caps a percentage of your, of your capacity. You know, you know, just just for, if they really want to take extra steps, you know, fifteen percent or whatever. I mean, I, I don't know that you do that for the entire season, but you know, just for competitive sake, if you've got states that are. Uh, Full go, full bore and athletic departments that potentially a little bit more aggressive on on the on the rules and regulations, you know, throwing out Georgia. That's the first state that came to mind where Georgia Tech could fill their stadium as much as they want. Not necessarily, um, you know, a fair playing field. If if you're if you're playing in in Atlanta against the, the Yellow Jackets and then the next week, you're home, at home in Blacksburg, who's maybe a lot more strict, and you know their percentage of, of of capacity is at ten or whatever it is. I mean, I, I could see something like that happening. I think um, you know, the, again, the fact that we're having this conversation of even having fans in the stands is dramatic because I think if you and I were to sit here and have this conversation even seven days ago, it's not. I mean, I, let's let's put it this way: we had Brandon Goddard on earlier this week on Monday, and all of our conversation was geared towards just having football back and not having fans in the stands. That's what it was sounding like as early as Monday. You know, this is just a couple of days later, and we've already taken more strides. So, and, and and one other point that I, w- I want to make, it seems like all of the, the news that is coming are steps forward and are not steps backwards. I feel like th- th- at some point we passed that threshold of when we heard from voices of power, it was delaying things, it was taking opportunities away whether it be practice time or campus time or uh, cafeteria whatever it just seemed like we were losing things every time we heard somebody talk now i think we've kind of passed that threshold and every time we hear something it's positive as opposed to negative that again tells me that we're on the decline on this at least in terms of of getting things back up and running and 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 again for the sake of protocols and the sake of safety, we have to keep that in mind, too, because the NCAA wouldn't be having any of this if they felt that they'd be putting the student-athletes at risk or it wasn't safe. They feel certain enough that they can be, follow safe practices with this and keep athletes as safe as possible while still taking steps forward and, and getting back to as much normalcy as possible.
1: It was interesting. They did not clear volleyball to start having voluntary workouts June the 1st. That was an omission today. Not quite sure the thinking behind that, but just the three sports, football, men's and women's basketball, got the go-ahead to start doing voluntary workouts on June the 1st.
3: Welcome to another edition of Husker Huddle presented by Sap Brothers who say, welcome, be our guest. Today our guest is Brandon Riley, former Nebraska wide receiver, NFL wide receiver, XFL wide receiver, and most recently joined my side of the world in retired player and now joining the real life. Brandon, how are you?
4: I'm doing well, man. How about yourself?
3: I'm doing fantastic, man, hanging out here in Lincoln. We're looking better for the warmer weather and looking forward to continue things. And first of all, from myself and all of us here at Husker Sports Network, congratulations on a fantastic career. Um, It was really fun to be able to watch you and see how it went.
4: I appreciate it. Yeah, it was uh, was quite the journey, but uh, the one, you know, I I have no regrets. And, uh, you know, a lot of memories, you know, that will last forever.
3: Absolutely. So talk us a little bit about through what went through that process, Brandon. I know it's not an easy thing to do. Um, it's, not, it's something that's closing a huge chapter on your life. But uh, talk to us a little bit about your process of going through and making that big life decision.
4: Uh, you know, I just kind of had to be realistic with myself. Uh, last year after you know, I got released from the Steelers, you know, no NFL teams called. And uh, you know, fortunately, the XFL came as an opportunity. And you know, it was a great opportunity. But you know, unfortunately, with the whole COVID-19, shutting down and they end up, you know, filing for bankruptcy, Uh, I kind of just had to, you know, be realistic with myself. And I don't think I did enough in that league for NFL teams to call. And, you know, if they didn't call last year, they're probably not calling this year. And, you know, I gave it a good run, but, uh, you know, I'm on to the next challenge. And, you know, I don't know what's next, but, uh, you know, I look forward to starting somewhere and, you know, working my way to the top.
3: Absolutely, Brandon. Well, let's let's take a peek back at your Nebraska career. You had some fantastic moments. You had some, some fa- fantastic games. But now that you've been out of Nebraska, I'm sure you've had time to look back, reflect, and really reminisce on some things. What are some moments that really stand out for you over your career here at the
4: university? Uh, you know, one, you know, get, getting my scholarship was a big moment for me. Um, you know, I tell people all the time. You know, me and Sam Foltz got it the same day, and. Hmm. It was unique. We got it in the summer when you know normally they don't do it till fall camp. So you know that was unique for me. Obviously, getting it with Sam, you know, means a lot to me. Um, you know, Michigan State game was obviously big and kind of really propelling me out there. And then uh, you know my final game is a Husker our bowl game uh, against Tennessee. Um, you know, I was a Sam Foltz captain of the week, which you know that game meant a little bit more because of that. Also, it was my final game and. You know, I had a good performance and you know ultimately I think it was that game that you know got me to the next level.
3: That's awesome as you talk about that next level you started your career up there with Buffalo um, you had some great guys up there I know when I was up there people really um, talked about how much they really liked what you did up there what was your NFL experience like up in Buffalo?
4: Uh, you know it was a great one I, I can't think of a better uh, first place for me to go honestly you know just the culture up there from you know, the GM to the head coach to the staff to the team, you know, everyone, you know, is very welcoming, and, you know, I had, a, I had a great experience, and, you know, as you know, the NFL, it's it's not much, uh, what do I want to say here, mm, you, you never know what's next, so, you know, I, I, knew, I knew that going in, and so, you know, I never took anything for granted, I you know, I enjoyed each day, you know, lived in the moment, you know, I had a blast, and, you know, my time in Buffalo was a great one, and, uh, you know, I still, I mean, as you know, you probably still, you know, keep in touch with a lot of those mm-hmm. guys today, and, you know, I do the same.
3: Absolutely. Brand. we got to ask you about it. I mean, we all saw the story because it got taken off all over Twitter, but I want to hear the story from you of your Uber story from when you Ubered from, what was it, Chicago to Buffalo?
4: Yeah. So uh, I came back for uh, a bye week. Um, I think it was Nebraska played Ohio State, so I came back for that game, uh, Looking back, I probably should have stayed back in Buffalo, <laughs> but uh, no, it's always good to come back and, you know, see family and friends, but, you know, I had a afternoon flight back, but it kept getting pushed back because maintenance issues, and by the time we got to Chicago, right when I landed, uh, I got a notification, my plane just left, it was the last one of the day, so, you know, I called my mom, and, she, you know, she was kind of hesitant on me uh, renting a car and driving eight and a half hours through the night, and you know, so I tried Uber, and the first two canceled. I said, I'll give it one more chance. Third guy agreed. Uh, I called. I was like, you see where I'm going? He's like, I drive nights. I just started. Let's do it. And <laughs> so, you know, we, we bonded, and, you know, we stopped a few times to get him Red Bull, and, you know, we pushed eight and a half hours, and, you know, I think I pulled in at 7 a.m. We had a 7.30 team meeting followed by practice, and it made for quite the day.
3: <laughs> what, was, what was some of the responses you got from, from your teammates or even coaches about that?
4: Uh, well, at that time I was still I was still on um, practice squad, and you know my receiver coach basically said, uh, "Well, if you're not at that team meeting, you might as well not come. Cause <laughs> your spot will be replaced." And <laughs> so you know, it was not really, not really an option. I had to get there one way or the other. But it actually, you know, a, a whole year later, uh, you know, in the team meeting, Coach McDermott, who obviously you know. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the story somehow came back up, and he's like, do we ever reimburse you for that? And, you know, I kind of said, not yet. And, you know, later that day, a year later, they reimbursed me for it. So that was nice.
3: Oh, would you look at that. McDermott's a great guy. I mean, they're fantastic. Like you said, the organization up there, Buffalo, is is one of a kind, I truly believe. so. Um, talk a little bit about your XFL experience. I know I haven't got to talk to many people that played in that league. Um, everyone said it's, it was fun. I enjoyed watching it, but you got to do both. You got the NFL, you got the XFL experience. What were some of the main differences of the XFL or some things that you really enjoyed or maybe some things that you didn't like as much?
4: Uh, you know, I truly enjoyed it all. And especially in St. Louis, we had a great group of guys. But, you know, we had a good team. A lot of guys who, you know, been in the league, been in and out of the league for a little while. You know, we had a good... Uh, coaching staff the fans were great and uh made a difference. probably just a little more relaxed uh, than NFL you know meetings not quite as long and you know it was just it, it, it was like a lot of people text me like man it looks like you guys are having fun and we truly were and you know it was unfortunate it got cut short early but you know it, it was definitely a great time in life and you know once again I met a lot of great guys who you know I still keep in touch with and you know, our quarterback, Jordan, uh, he signed on with the Chiefs. And, you know, mm. a few of us already texted, you know, we're going we're gonna to go out to preseason games and hopefully, you know, regular season games, you know, support him.
3: Absolutely, man. That's, that's awesome. It looked like you – I agree. I 100% agree. You guys looked like you are having fun. The game of football looked fun. And I think the XFL did something different than some of the other, other uh, smaller leagues is they didn't try and be a mini NFL. They were honestly something different. And I think that's what people wanted to watch. and That's what people wanted to see. So, uh, Brandon, before we move forward here, we want to thank uh, SAP Brothers for being the sponsor of Husker Huddle here at SAP Brothers. The top priority is to keep guests and teammates safe. SAP Brothers is offering full service at the pump as our nation relies now more than ever on drivers and farmers to provide essentials to our communities. SAP Brothers is committed to serving you. Brandon, let's shift gears here. Let's talk a little Husker football here. No spring ball for the Huskers. No summer possibly for the Huskers as well, meaning that our first look at the 2020 season from a fan's perspective will be training camp um, or fall camp as they call it in college. What did you, you were around a little bit training this year. You got to be kind of a part before everything shut down. What is your initial thought process and thoughts on the 2020 Husker football team?
4: Uh, you know, I know Frost, I know they have a plan, you know, in, in store for those guys. I know they're working hard, but, you know, for uh, a team that didn't get any, uh, any bowl practices, you know, we kind of needed, we kind of needed that spring ball, I think. But, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta adapt. And, you know, I, I know those coaches have a plan to adapt and if, you know, fall camp's the first time we see them, which, you know, looking like it, then, you know, so be it and, You know, I'm looking forward to, you know, see who steps up. You know, a couple names fans don't know yet. I'm not sure who it's going to be, but, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And and hopefully, you know, I don't know the story on JD. Hopefully he comes back. Obviously he's a game changer Mm -hmm. for us, but, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it.
3: Absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned you got J.D. You got a very young wide receiver room. I mean, you got a quarterback coming to his third year who had his struggles in year two. But I think this is the year the offense can maybe get everything put together and clicking. Um, if you could put a name on it, who do you think might be the breakout star this year that makes this offense finally go?
4: I, I think it's Adrian. You know, I, I know he took he took a lot of heat. I mean, as every Nebraska quarterback, they take a lot of heat if, if you know, the. The wind column's not high and, you know, they got a lot of responsibility and, you know, he, uh, you know, he kind of took fault for not playing as well as he should and, you know, I think he's going to have, you know, that Heisman caliber uh, season where, you know, his name's in the talk for it and, you know, I think highly of the guy I've been up there working out, you know, when he's up there and, you know, he's a leader in the weight room too, which it says a lot for a quarterback.
3: Absolutely, Brandon. Well, before we let you go here, man what are you been up to? Are you back here in Lincoln? Um, Where are you at now? And kind of what is your thought process moving forward for yourself here?
4: Yeah, I'm back in Lincoln here. Uh, Usually just been golfing and, you know, working out a little. I can't let myself go completely yet. Um, You know, just trying to figure it out. Obviously not sure what I want to do. And I've been talking to people in a lot of different fields, you know, real estate, insurance, medical uh, device sales, kind of, just, I don't want to jump in anything that you know mm-hmm. I'm really, truly not gonna enjoy doing, and so you know, just kind of feeling it out. But uh, you know, the clock's ticking. I definitely gotta find a job here soon. So, you know, if you got any ideas, shoot them my way. I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely in the market of, of making a decision.
3: Absolutely, Brandon. Well, again, congratulations on retirement, man. It was an absolute joy. I know personally following you through your, uh, your career at Nebraska and in the NFL, and I know Husker Nation as well has enjoyed following it as well. You were a fantastic player for the Huskers, and homegrown kids are always fun to watch, and uh, I'm glad to call you a friend. So we'll be in touch soon, Brandon. I appreciate you joining us here on Husker Huddle presented by Sapp Brothers, and we'll catch up here in the next few weeks.
4: Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care, Brandon. Yep, you too.
0: For Famous Dave's Face Off. They score go! The Face Off! Famous Dave's, America's favorite barbecue, offers award winning, mouth watering, house smoked barbecue for pickup, curbside, or delivery. Order three ways online at FamousDave's.com through the Famous Dave's app or call your nearest location in Lincoln, Omaha, or Bellevue. Famous Dave's, locally and veteran owned. Let's go! Mano a mano. You me. Right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Josh Hilkeman and Brett Whitty. Here we are again
5: for another week. Week 9 of Famous Dave's Face Off. And, Ben, it's your time to rattle off two wins in a row. Because going back the last two weeks, Greg has won two in a row. Before that, you won two in a row. And before that, Greg won two in a row. So, okay. it's, it's your turn. All right. No pressure. <laughs> no, no pressure at all. You Just do it. There's... <laughs> it's it's in the trends. So. It's a game of streaks. Yes, exactly. Should I just lay out, let him win one? Or I mean, him yeah, oh, let no. him win two, yeah, let him win this week and
2: next Don't week. Him, you know, it's funny that we're talking about this because, like, now that, that there becomes a certain age where your, like, pride takes over, but up until about age 12, if you want to let me win, I would have just
5: taken it. I'm like, fine, you want to sure. let me win? I'm going to win. Yeah,
6: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
5: <laughs> All right, well, let's dive right in here with question number one. Which four games in the 1994 season did Nebraska football score 24 points or fewer? Greg. All right, Greg, you're in first. K-State. How about K-State to lead things off? <laughs> yes. That is one of the games they won 17-6. to You'll hear that game on Friday right here on the Oscar Sports Network. I'm going to play. Okay. Um... What, was it 24 points or less? Yes, 24 or fewer points. Okay, Colorado. Give me Colorado. That is correct. That is also 20. It was actually right on 24. 24 to 7, the Huskers beat the Buffaloes.
1: Oklahoma wasn't very good at 94. Um, I don't think it's them.
5: Let me go Missouri. How about Missouri? Missouri. Missouri is not oh. on the list. So you've gotten two, two of the four. Yeah.
1: Um.
5: Iowa State. How about Iowa State? Oh. No, that is incorrect. Mm.
1: trying to picture that plaque that, we have the in, the plaque the hallway. in the wall. I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> like,
5: I, can, okay, is, I can just about look out the, the window here and see <laughs> it. I can see 1970 and 71, but I can't see. Uh, um, I think they opened the year with West Virginia, so let me throw West Virginia out there. I is think it, they got 34 points in that one. Though. Is it West Virginia? No, oh, that is oh. incorrect. So Ben, it Steel is over time. to you to, for a steal. You have two remaining that you could get, but you just need one. Can you repeat the question one more yeah, time? Yeah, which four games in the 1994 season did Nebraska football score 24 points or fewer? Greg has so far said Kansas State and Colorado. Okay, the first,
2: one that, the first one that jumps to mind, I know they were right around it, but they might have passed it later
5: in the game, but was it Miami? Ah, is that your guess? Yes. Okay, is it Miami? Miami. Yes, that is correct. Ooh, Miami, didn't they scored think about the bowl game. Right at 24 points. So 24 17 was the final score in that one. Ben, you get the steal. The other All one, right. The other one, Greg, you actually oh, mentioned great. it was Oklahoma, Oklahoma? In, oh, was it? Yeah, 13 3 in 94. Yeah. Oh, wow. They the wow. following, the couple years after that, they had some big time blowouts at the Sooners, them. but that year it was still a low scoring game. Uh. So. Ben, you're out I front. couldn't
2: remember if the last touchdown pushed them to 27 or 24, but I knew they were right in that ballpark.
6: Well, good guess. You got it right. There you go. Yeah, I'm glad this game isn't face-to-face because my poker face, when, when Greg said Oklahoma there, that would have been a
2: tough one <laughs> to hold off <laughs> on.
6: <laughs> it's a good thing we just got a, like a, your senior picture posted on the <laughs> – Exactly. There you go. <laughs> <That was> perfect. <laughs> All right, moving on. Question number two, Ben up one nothing. Uh, name the six current MLB teams to never win a World Series. Greg. All right. Greg's got Oof. it. And first again. Seattle. Give me Seattle. All right. Pass or play. I'm going to play. All right. All right. Five Six
1: teams. MLB teams that have not won the World Series. Yeah,
5: current MLB teams to be current. clear. There yep. you
6: go. There's a good stick.
5: Yeah, that is good because there probably are some that we've Never mm, yet, yeah. the ones you might pull out.
6: The Padres. Show me the Padres. All right, starting off clean. The Rockies? Do we have the Rockies hesitantly? We do. Three for three. Three more.
5: Halfway Making home.
1: My w- I'm making my way back east.
6: Yeah.
5: It's <laughs> like so go through the franchise. Yeah. Geographic. Yeah.
6: The Texas Rangers. Show me the Texas Rangers. All right, chugging along here. Two left now. Killing it. The Milwaukee Brewers. Do we have the Brewers? We do. Wayne Country. This
5: is impressive, right?
6: Yeah, this is, this is not what I expected. One left. What's but most impressive until, is
5: you're not taking too much time with these. You're and he's not having yeah. any strikes either. Yeah.
1: Up until last October, the Nationals would have been in the list, but they are off.
5: Exactly. They come off the list. There were seven. Pirate. Yeah. Um Just think of all those yeah, graphs getting tough. Yeah, one yeah. one more left. You know it's not the Yankees they have 27.
6: Let's, let me go Tampa Bay give me the Tampa Bay Rays for the win yeah. nailed it wow. I was nah. hoping
2: you weren't get Tampa that was, that was one of the first ones that came to mind <laughs> okay <yeah.
4: laughs> good work
5: you even it up at <laughs> at one each that six was a six, nice job. Dude, that's pretty that's impressive yeah, I would yeah good job it's I Not mean even mad. it's hard enough Not to just think mad. of all the teams that you need to think of much less actually come up with the right ones so I was geographically that. going started on the west coast and I worked my way yep.
1: east smart going did, okay and and they have didn't
6: I almost miss stumbled any.
1: on the Diamond I almost stumbled on the Diamondbacks nah. When they oh, won that with yeah.
5: Johnson and Schilling Yep they did yeah. All right we actually stick with baseball for our third topic who are the first four teams Ricky Henderson played for in Major League Baseball Ben all right, Ben in first. The Oakland Athletics. Is Oakland up there? Yes, of course. That's the team he spent the most time with. Pass or play? Uh, man, I'll play <laughs> it
4: hesitantly. Ooh, okay, okay.
2: Um, and I don't... It
5: was
2: more of a strategic move.
5: <laughs> uh, give me uh. I mean, at least you can name teams, so it's not yeah an issue. Uh, was he a Yankee? Was he a Yankee? <laughs> he sure was. Those are the two teams I would have gotten if I were playing this category without. But I didn't know if he, I, I didn't know if that was later in his career because you said oh, first four. That, was. That's actually a good point. He so one thing about Ricky Henderson—he actually jumped around a lot, and sometimes he circled back and came to teams that he had already played for. So. But those were actually the first two, okay, that he played um, for the Dodgers. Show me the Dodgers. Hello?
2: I don't, I don't think he played here. But for some reason, I keep going to this team, the Rangers. How about the Rangers? Oh, no, that's two strikes. Um,
5: man, I'll say Baltimore is the Orioles. One of the four teams, all right? So Greg, over to you for the chance at a steal and a 2-1 lead. You have two chances to get it right. Ben has said the athletics and the Yankees both correct of the four teams Ricky Henderson started with in Major League Baseball. I'm down to two. Two, yep.
1: I'm always down to two, and I usually
0: pick the <laughs> wrong one.
1: <laughs> Brett, do you want to hear the two? <laughs> Brett always wants yeah, to hear yeah. it. <laughs> Give them to me. I have got. I wrote down the Padres and the Mets. Okay. I'm going to go with the Mets.
5: Is it the Mets? It is not oh, the Mets. You should have gone with the Padres, <laughs> Greg. Oh, oh man. So, pa- it's funny you say the Mets because that was the other that was the other team I was gonna mention. So Ben takes this one. The other team was the Blue
6: Jays. He played for the Blue Jays oh, yeah. early that's in his right. career, and then the Padres. Golly, so. yeah. Almost, I, that's, he he played for so many teams it, it made it that much harder. I, I should have done this beforehand, but uh, I should have counted up. Did how he many play teams for the total. Rangers? He might have. He did not play for the Rangers. He played for the A's in three different stints, and he played oh for the gosh. Padres twice though. Just. For God.
1: The three I wrote down were Oakland, New York, San Diego, and then I added the Mets at the end. Yeah, yeah. He was with the, the Mets one. from
6: '99
2: yeah. to 2000. Yeah. The Mets, the Mets were the team I almost said,
6: Greg. <laughs> so I'm
2: glad you guessed it. It was wrong.
6: All right. Moving on now, Ben. Now with the two-one lead, question number four: Name the five teams the Chicago Bulls beat for their six NBA championships. Hey. Oh, wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> the Utah <All> right. Jazz. <laughs> You didn't even need me to finish it? (laughs) Show me the jazz. (laughs) All right. On the board. There was even a hint on the end of this one. (laughs) Okay. Well, I've already started, so I think I've punted on the hint. Uh, Yeah, I think we're good here. The Lakers. Show me the Los Angeles Lakers. (laughs) Three left, three strikes. The Suns. Show me the Suns. (laughs) Three for three. The this should have been the first question. Seattle <laughs> the Supersonics are the Seattle Supersonics <laughs> up on the board? They are one left. Ben. Um.
2: I keep. I, I now I'm mixing up Eastern Conference Finals. And, yeah.
5: and NBA Finals. Um. Don't say an Eastern Conference team. Yeah, That'd I'm, be trying, I'm trying not to. Well, it's going to be embarrassing. It's embarrassing already that I'm taking this long to think. Said the Lakers, Suns, Supersonics, and Jazz. One wow. left.
2: Absolute brain fart here. Put the clock on him, Brett. <laughs> yeah. Tick tick. We'll, we'll, have, have we'll to. start the clock up at some point. <laughs> Um.
5: Yeah, you could buzz me for while. I was gonna say, we'll, <laughs> we'll start the we'll start the clock now. Ten seconds. I think Greg knows it. I've, I've been oh, yeah. some, I, I'm <laughs> sure he does. Yeah. He, yeah, he Yeah, I think he knows it. All right, here's the uh, the first buzzer. Okay. So one strike for you. So man. I got I got the Lakers, the Spurs. Uh, no, not not the Spurs. Lakers, L- or not Suns, the Spurs, the, the Lakers, the Sonics the is
2: what I meant to say. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The Jazz.
5: Holy crap. I, I, I'm losing it. <laughs> Ten episodes of The Last Dance starts to blur together after well, a little bit. The, the way
6: they weaved in and out of that story might well, have been hard. Well, that's true.
5: To... Yeah, you kind of went back and forth and back and forth. Between... Also, it wasn't
6: really The Last Dance, was it? It was kind of the whole thing. Yes. It was just one big dance. There was like
5: multiple five dances. The last one. All right, Ben, we're going to start the 10-second clock in a few
6: okay. seconds here. Go Let's ahead. getting ruthless.
2: It, th- this is where it starts to get hard cuz the pre- right. like it, the pressure for every oh, second, yeah. it's harder yep. to f-
5: focus. Like I yep. just I'm, I'm focusing more on the time than I am exactly. on the teams. All right, 5 seconds. No pressure. May as well throw a team out there. Yeah, still have two, oh, two right. strikes. Cavaliers, even though they're Eastern Conference.
2: Cavaliers. <laughs> I, I've got that shot that he that he hit in my head, and I can't oh, okay. get it out of my head. Yeah, and they lost that they lost that series too.
6: All right. <laughs> Greg, One more. Greg guess. is already celebrating. You know think, he's got. Yeah, it. I think. Gregs are just hoping. The magic. This. Just give it Show to him. me. Is it the, the magic? All right, not. Greg for the steal. Patrick the t- Mahomes just texted
1: me and said oh, it's the man. Portland Trail Blazers. Show me the Blazers. Oh, that's
2: not. That's not the same. That's and not. We're good. tied up. Mahomes is ten times worse than yeah, that. I but... wouldn't have come up with Portland.
6: I... <laughs> I agree with Ben. On uh, that yeah, one. I'm not gonna knock you for that one because on the spot that memory,
1: that's the one he did the shrug because he's making all the shots. I, I mean, obviously I, I remember it now, but <laughs>
2: <Yeah. That's, laughs> this, you're right. Has to in, hurt. Per, it It and
1: Ben's right. When you're on the clock, your mind just gets foggy. It's, it yes. does. Yep, no doubt. On, with, I no remember. I'll remember this.
2: that. And qu- the in the mask, the no S mascot one. That was the
5: same way. Once you guys started oh, counting yeah. down, yeah, done. Yep, that was tough. All right. We move on to question was <laughs> Is it 3-2, it Greg? No, no, no. It's 3-2 you. No, it's 2-2. 2-2. We're only through okay. four questions. Okay. We're,
2: we're not in terrible shape. We no. should have been up 3-1 <laughs> there. but we're,
5: we're good. We're good. This is all, <laughs> all great here. All right. Question five. Who are the top four career point scorers in NHL history? Ben. Greg. Ooh, Ben. Ooh. By a nose. That might be the closest buzz in yet. Wayne Gretzky. Show me Wayne Gretzky. Yes. By a lot. <laughs> It's from last night's top 10 topic. Uh, all right, Ben, are you going to... I'm going to play it. Okay, all right. You know a little NHL. Mario Lemieux. How about Mario Lemieux? He actually, oh. I believe, is number five. Oh, that doesn't the... help me. Yeah, I know. That doesn't count. <laughs> um, Janemir Jager. How about Jager? Is he up there? Yeah, he's actually number two behind Gretzky now. He has 1,900 points. He's still a ways behind Gretzky. Gretzky with 2,857 scored. So, How, What was um, Yager's? Yager is 1,900, so almost he's within 900.
6: <laughs> I don't think he'll reach it. <laughs> I don't think he's going to get there. <laughs> no. I was just trying to
2: think because there were some guys currently playing, and I'm trying to think if they've got. They're close. Yeah. Okay, I know th- there's got to be some Blackhawks. I'll start first with
5: Bobby Orr. How about Bobby Orr? Incorrect there. Hole. Brett, I think I
2: don't know. Is it Brett Hole? Yeah. Is, yeah. is
5: it Brett Hole? Brett. I was gonna say Brent Hole. That is also incorrect. Dang it. So three strikes and Greg, Ugh. over to you for the steal. You have two chances or not two chances, but two uh, ones that are still left out there. I, I really don't know. I'm going to say Gordie Howe. How about oh, Gordie Howe guess. for the steal? Yes. Great guess. That is a good guess. He's a guy that just played so long, yeah. as we learned He played last night. well into his 40s. Yep. Um, so, was he three? He was four. And he was four. Number three, Mark Messier. Oh, yeah. Huh. Boy, I would have thought Lemieux. I, I, I thought you nailed it mm-hmm. on Lemieux. All right, so, Greg, you've come back, and you're now in the lead 3-2 to as we head to question number six.
6: Crunch time. All right, question six. Name the top five players in career rushing yards in NFL history. Greg. Ooh, Greg in first. Emmett Smith. Show me Emmett Smith. (laughs) He is number one. I'm
1: going to play.
6: All right. Okay. Let's go Eric Dickerson. Show me Eric Dickerson.
0: Wow,
5: he probably used to be. I'm sure he, yeah, I'm sure he was even somewhat recently.
6: Jim Brown, give me Jim Brown. No,
1: strike two. Give me an easy steal for Ben here. Oh yeah, I got like three in mind.
6: (laughs) Ben Walter Payton, show me Walter Payton. All right, number two on the board. There was he second behind Smith. Yeah, yeah, yep. He yeah. had sixteen thousand seven hundred twenty-six. Okay,
1: God, I'm, I'm shocked on Eric Dickerson not being on there. Uh, Thurman Thomas,
6: uh, show me Thurman Thomas. <laughs> Incorrect. Uh, we'll throw it over to Ben for the steal. Three choices here. Okay.
2: Just I'm going to go that. with the most obscure one because I oh. got in a huge fight wow. with a friend about this like two months ago, and okay. it'll, I'll always remember Frank the Tank Gore.
6: <laughs> For the win, Frank the Tank, Frank the Tank Gore. <laughs> yeah, He
2: got it, and he's actually third. Let me see if I can get the other ones. Yeah. Barry Sanders. Yep,
5: nope. that's right. Number four. Tomlinson. No, Tomlinson is L- not Melty. it. No. No. Um, I don't have the last one. Last one.
6: and Peterson. Yeah. Ooh.
2: Frank Frank Gore is one of those players that's been in the league for a just billion smoochy. years, and you yeah. and you just. It's just you never think of him, and yep. so that's
5: why that's why we were arguing about him a couple months ago. All right, this so is we head to a
6: game seven. <laughs> this is
5: first game seven since week two. Um, White knuckle time. And here's the thing: we've had this question waiting in the wings since week three oh of the <laughs> oh, of have. of this. So we this goes back a ways. Good luck. Put on your put on your memory, your thinking cap for this one, guys. What three teams won on opening day in the televised games of the Sports Nightly Baseball League? Ben. Okay, Ben in first. (laughs) Can you remember these? Opening day winners were the Albuquerque People Eaters. (laughs) Albuquerque up there. They sure were. They beat my mammoths, unfortunately. I'm going to play it. All right. I like the confidence. I mean, there's only so many teams to pick from here, but... It was the Hickman Harriers over the Arizona Diamondbacks. Was it the Hickman Harriers? That is correct. And who was the third one, Ben? Um, it was not
2: my team because we didn't play. <laughs> I don't think it was Hong Kong because
5: we played Hong Kong. I'm going to say the rowboats. How about the rowboats? No, it was not Austin's team. That's one strike. The Farmers. Was it the Nebraska Farmers, the fans team? It was. Ben for the win. Got it. Got it. Wow, that was an exciting game. 4-3, Ben with the win, remembering all the way back to day one of the SNBL. That was impressive. How would you have done on that, Greg, if if I wasn't? Would you have got all three? I don't think so,
1: because I I, I did not see our opening day. I I think that was the day we were recording the spring
5: game. I think that's oh, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, you're right. So I didn't. I wasn't. <laughs> that would have been a. Yeah, all. that was kind of an unfair question then. I guess. Yeah. I didn't hate it. <laughs> Ben's like, I'm, I'm gonna win two in a row now because that's how this this thing goes. That's so funny. That's so funny that you're holding on to that for how many? Was that six weeks? <laughs> yeah, going all the way, going all the way back to uh, April 8th. We had that one ready to go. And the only reason I knew the Diamondback one is because they just played today.
2: Yeah. Exactly. There you go. Okay, there's one. I need to win next week. For nice. Continue the
1: trend. Well done. Good questions, guys. Joins us now, Nick Hanley from AM590. He also joins Ben and myself for Husker Baseball Calls during the spring. How much have you been missing the last month or so, my friend?
7: I feel like every day and every weekend that <laughs> passes by, it's like, oh, we would have played this team. Oh, we would have been here. And I was actually talking to Ed <laughs> Service about the exact same thing from Creighton Day, and he said – I always feel like the coaches have to be past it. You know, we're we're the we're the broadcast slobs that, you know, always look forward to this and those guys are always moving ahead. But you know, even Ed said, No, nope, we've been doing that and it's it's kinda hard to get over right now.
1: I texted you and Ben on Saturday afternoon. You two were supposed to call the final regular season series at Indiana, which would have wrapped up on Saturday. They played that last series Thursday, Friday, Saturday to give teams a day off before the tournament starts. And I said, good season, guys. What to do? Good call. Hope you had fun in Bloomington.
7: <laughs> we, we would have had a great time in Bloomington. Yeah, you would have. I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, the series would have looked like. And, I mean, that, that's kind of the big Bummer about this, Greg. I mean, this team was going to be a very fascinating one to watch develop throughout the year. So I'm hoping that that, that uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday series against what's always a good Indiana team out at that nice ballpark would have been maybe for, you know, a high seed. Uh, who knows what that could have been, you know, deciding this last weekend. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it, it's just – it's just it's unfortunately where we are, and we know people have a lot of worse things to worry about. But, yeah, I mean, it's just – it's one of those things It's it's hard to kind of – get over especially knowing tonight we would have been or today we would have been at td ameritrade park for the big 10 tournament yeah
1: if memory serves wasn't there a good taco truck you and ben found in bloomington is that
7: right it was a it was actually i'm kind of disappointed you were the one who recommended this when we got out there it's actually a grilled cheese place called Big cheese and you had either heard of it or something and it was, we went a little later than the, the Greg Sharp road hours. And so uh, we made our way out there, and my gosh, it did not disappoint. It did not disappoint at all. So I was, I had that thing circled. I was trying to figure out, okay, what, at what point during the day could we have gone? And I mean, yeah, I, I just add that to the list of just major disappointments that uh, we did not have Bloomington.
1: Yeah, one of the trips there, you, we all three of us were on one of the trips, and you and I left Ben behind. We missed our flight. We left him behind. He had to take a different flight home. But that's a whole other story. Uh, the, the next month's going to be really painful, I think, for Omaha, isn't it, Nick? I mean, no Big, Ten, no Big Ten tournament, no College World Series this year, no swim trials. I mean, that's a rough patch. That, that, that
7: city's going to feel it, aren't they, in the next 30 days? Well, and, and if you remember, this kind of started what was going to be a really fun stretch of – years for Omaha sports, and it, it goes back to March when we had the yeah. tournament canceled. You're going to have Omaha hosting the, the first and second round. Then, of course, we're going to have the Big Ten tournament, College World Series, as you mentioned, swim trials. And then next year, uh, in the summer, you got the uh, U.S. Senior Open coming. Uh, we've got the the Volleyball National Championship coming in December. So, yeah, it's it's just so much of it. I mean, the Omaha community, I, I think, probably hasn't even – began to understand how much of a hit that's going to be financially. But more than anything, it's the things we just look forward to covering. I mean, you guys love covering it as well, even in Lincoln. I mean, it's just, you know, we get to that summer. It's, as we always call it, kind of the sport freeze or the sport winter. But when you do have these great events and we're crossing our fingers and we'll still see the Pinnacle Bank Championship at the end of July, but – you get these little events. It continues to stay kind of engaged with the, the sports community, and, and Omaha does such a great job of pulling these events off. It's the reason they keep continue to get them, you know, from the professional level all the way to, you know, the, the Olympic trials. I mean, they keep coming back because Omaha does such a tremendous job of supporting it, of, you know, financing it. You have so many great sponsors that, uh, you know, back these things and year in and year out, and yeah, you, you just hope that that doesn't – I mean, we're, we keep hearing this. We're all in this together, and that's so very true. And you just hope that it's not something that is going to deter some of that financial backing in the future when these events, you know, come back up and have a chance to be back in Omaha.
1: They'll they'll get them back. They do a great job. I should have thrown in there the Major League Baseball draft was supposed to be right. there in June as well, right yeah. before the CWS. Visiting with Nick Hanley from our Omaha affiliate AM590. Nick also a part of our Husker Sports Network Baseball Podcast team. I know you're a big Bulls fan. Give me your breakdown of the last dance. How much did you enjoy it? Were there parts of it that you wished? Was there something you didn't get out of the 10 episodes that you wished you had?
7: I loved it, and I, I went in with high expectations. And for me, being a Bulls fan... It's it's I think and, and I I even brought this up on Monday after it was done like thinking okay if we could do something like this for Nebraska football during the nineties you know the the dynasty that they had and I know there was talk about having that ninety five season as a thirty for thirty but it's just so great when you don't have sports going on and when you think about the Bulls right now I I love that at the end it said. And then the rebuild began after, you know, Jordan left, after Phil Jackson left, after Scotty got traded. You know, they're all going on different teams or retiring. Rodman's retiring. And the rebuild began. I mean, you could make the argument that, you know, okay, Derek Rose, when he was there early on, they were very competitive, but I don't think anybody mistaken them for a championship pedigree team. That's, I mean, that rebuild has continued. So just to kind of relive it and to, take a step back and, and realize how truly special that run was and how truly special of a talent Michael Jordan is. And yeah, I know a lot of it was kind of slanted towards him and kind of through his perspective. And we're, we're here in the fallout about that now, but I I had such high expectations. I thought it delivered. I thought Jason Hare did a tremendous job directing it. Now, if there was one little thing, and this is totally nitpicking because I thought it delivered on so many different levels. I was always a little bit more fascinated with his his family. And you got a chance to hear from his sons talking about their experience in Utah. And you, you heard a little bit from his daughter at the very end. But, you know, nothing about kind of how they sort of – you know, existed and impacted his life during this whole rise to fame. And and I'm sure a lot of that was by choice. Maybe they chose not to be a part of a lot of it. I'm not sure. But to me, I would have liked to have known a little bit more about that. But I thought everything else, I, I appreciated kind of going back and looking at, you know, where Scottie Pippen came up. I had no idea he had two members in his family that were both in wheelchairs, like his upbringing. And, you know, the, the Steve Kerr and the death of his father, which was very tragic, I, I thought... They did a lot of, of a lot of good sort of bringing to the forefront all of these different stories, how they all kind of align, how they connected. And, you know, I, I thought it was a big part of that dynasty, because as much as it was a lot about Michael Jordan, more than anything, it's about what I still think is the greatest basketball dynasty, at least that I had a chance to witness when I was growing up. Yeah. Well, they start they're going to do a Lance Armstrong one this week. You going to watch that one at all? Absolutely, And you know yep. what's going to be interesting about that one, Greg, is he was so defiant even after all this stuff happened. Yep. And I feel like in the world of sports, you know, from the steroid era and baseball, the one thing that we always kind of learned is if you want to maintain that great legacy, you just need to accept your fault and whatever you got caught in doing. And I get the feeling just from the promos that Lance Armstrong is anything but defiant now, where right. he's extremely the opposite where he is he's basically owning up to it so i am curious to see how that will kind of come across i think it's a fascinating you know how are we supposed to feel about him uh type documentary so i'll watch it i don't know if i'm as, as excited as i was for the last dance or with the um, the sosa mcguire one the the uh, the home run chase in, in in 1998 which i thought was really awesome to watch too yeah, Nick, we appreciate
1: it. I miss seeing you, miss being up in Omaha this week, but we'll get through this and we'll be back doing this next spring.
7: Yep, you guys be well and stay healthy. Tomorrow night
1: we're going to be joined by Brendan Steyer. I hear he's a pretty good fellow to talk to. <laughs> yeah, not bad.
2: Uh, <laughs> he, he won the drawing of being my co-host on, uh, on Husker Game Day, and we haven't found a replacement, so he's, <laughs> he, he's having to bite the bullet every year.
1: What a good guy. What a great guy. We're well, going to have him on tomorrow night and let him relive some of the memories of the 94 win over the Kansas State Wildcats. That's our greatest games brought to you by the Nebraska Lottery set for Friday night. That was part of that national championship run. It was a gloomy day in mid-October. Uh, K-State was ranked in the top 20. Oscars, I think, were number two going into that game. So we'll get some thoughts from Brendan tomorrow night. Teddy Greenson will be by with his Normal spot on Thursday night. We'll have seven on seven coming up
2: tomorrow night. You've had a lot of fun with Brendan last couple of years, haven't you? Oh yeah, I mean it makes those those games that that are big feel even bigger because he can relate to playing a national championship games and telling the stories about what it feels like in the locker room. And um, I specifically remember a show we did. We we were both at the Horseshoe in Columbus, and you know we watched the Buckeyes walk across the field in their suits and. You could just tell that struck a chord with him, and you know he kind of felt like he was getting ready to suit up and uh, and playing a big game. Huskers played well in that one. I think Huskers only got beat by five, but that was a that was a fun day and being able to talk with him and listen to him tell stories. The great thing about Brendan is you never want to be that person that's kind of poking and prodding to to, to learn stuff or to find out stuff. Brendan is an open book, and a lot of times, <laughs> you know, he'll get into that without even you having to ask, which is great yeah he's just a fun guy
1: to be to be around and chatting with we'll have him on the program tomorrow night Josh and I were talking and I'm maybe I'll ask him this tomorrow night. I'm not sure I'll have time but whether he thought the 93 team might have been better than the 94 team you go back and look at that 94 team we had a question about it during the famous faceoff there were some close games some low scoring games that 93 team mashed a lot of people so that'd be second so slip faced in there. a lot of adversity in
2: 94 especially they a quarterback. Did. Yeah, all kinds of injuries there.
1: Good hour. Thanks to Nick Hanley for spending some time with us here on Sports Alley.